The other day in the middle of the night, two dead girls began to fight. Back to back they faced each other, drew their swords and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise and came to kill the two dead girls. But if you don't believe this story is true, ask the blind man. He saw too. Or just listen to this podcast with two dead girls. Hey guys, welcome back to the Two Dead Girls podcast. It's been a little bit. <laughs> we say that at the beginning of every podcast episode, I'm pretty sure. But look at yeah. what's going on. We're busy, We're busy ladies. girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, life, life's been crazy. Sydney went to a talent expo in Texas. Yeah. Um, I'm getting out of the military. <laughs> That's a whole thing in itself, yeah. Out, out processing has been hell. So I've been busy from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And still in school. So, yeah. <laughs> and with a toddler. <laughs> but we're trying. We're really trying, guys. Doing our best. Um, yeah. So this week we decided we wanted to talk about a case that we've heard about for years. but Since it happened. Yeah, but I, I've never really done research into it until now. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, not not really. Just, um, you know, driving through Nashville. I guess we should introduce it first before I say that. But driving through Nashville and, you know, being pointed out the apartment where this case happened and knowing about it and the entire city of Nashville just being shook to the core while this was happening. So that's about the extent of the research before now that I have done on this case. And it is truly a terrifying one. So I think that I'll let you tell them a little bit more about why it piques your interest. Okay. So while Raven and I spent our later teens growing up in Franklin, Tennessee, we spend a lot of time in Nashville. Um, I still spend a lot of time in Nashville and Driving back and forth, getting on and off the interstate, there's a particular apartment we always pass that our mom feels the need to point out, hey, that's the apartment where this thing happened. Every single time. Which, last time she did it, uh, a couple weeks ago, I decided it was about time I actually look into this. We're talking about the case of Tiffany Ferguson, a Nashville nurse who was murdered in cold blood in her apartment early in the morning in February of 2017. So kind of recently, I would say. I, I was in high school. You were in college. In the Air Force. We, had you already left by 2017? Yeah, I left in 16. Oh, I'm not good at time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But Tiffany was born May 11th, 1993, which is only three years before me. Um, she was born in a small county called Lauderdale County, Alabama. I'm also from Alabama, so we are connected to this case. We like to cover cases we feel connected to, so this is definitely one of those. Um, her parents are Angie Vaughn and Daniel Ferguson. Tiffany has two sisters. One's an older sister named Molly and her twin sister named Allie, who she was super duper close with. Molly actually has two daughters, so she was also an aunt. And Sydney, you could probably relate to that. <laughs> I can, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that this case, for so many reasons, feels close to home. And uh, definitely makes you think. 
Yeah. So when we were doing research on this case, I always like to go on Facebook and try and see if I can find the family's, you know, information without being too stalkerish, but also like, you know, observing from a distance. And I was kind of lucky that her sister Allie's Facebook was open. You know, it wasn't locked down. Anybody could see it. So I just looked through her post and I found, you know, some friends who had tribute, made tributes to Tiffany and Allie making posts about Tiffany. And I was able to see some really kind words towards her that kind of talk a little bit more about who Tiffany was and her character. So I can go ahead and share those now. Um, people would say that Tiffany had an infectious laugh and a beautiful smile and a very caring heart. That would make sense because she was a nurse. Believe it or not, all three of the sisters are nurses. So wow. that'll, that'll <laughs> tell you a little bit about how caring and, you know, how much empathy this family has. Um, people can say when she walked into the room, she completely lit it up. They looked forward to working with her because she was such a bright soul. So people really loved that. And obviously in each and every single post I'm reading, they all talk about her beautiful smile. And she did, she definitely had a beautiful smile. If you guys wanna see pictures of her, we're of course gonna post them over on the Instagram. So just head on over and look to, you know, put a face with the case, but she did have a beautiful smile and her friends all wanted everyone to know about it. So she seems very, um, like I said, just very empathetic and yeah. I think also from the pictures I was looking at, she seemed like a very um, adventurous person. She was always either biking with her friends or her sisters or out on the water, you know, and also you have to be a little bit adventurous to move to a whole different state and city away from your family for your job, you know? So I think she was a very adventurous person. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a, a big step to move from small town Alabama to Nashville. I think you know exactly what that's like, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like I halfway understand the feeling, but not quite like you would. You know, uh, she worked at St. Thomas West Hospital in the intensive care unit. And I was looking it up. This is like a weird random coincidence because I, of course, have to throw myself into this. Um, <laughs> it's like the same-ish hospital that I was born in, like a different wing. Yeah, same <laughs> franchise, just different campus. Yeah, I think. I mean, they might be a part of the same building. It was kind of hard to tell. but like, Yeah, but Cindy was born at Baptist Hospital, which is now St. Thomas something hospital. And Tiffany worked at St. Thomas West Hospital. So we were trying to do a little bit of research, but we're also very... Uh, geographically challenged. Yeah, so very much. <laughs> we're very unsure if they're the same. Uh, I think we're both like landmark people more than we're like, oh, this street. Got it. Sure. I, I think I'm more of a repetition person. So if I drive the same road all the time, I'll know how to get there. Like if I, even if I had my eyes closed or I was blindfolded or something, obviously don't drive blindfolded. But if I could, I could do that because I think repetition is how I know my way around. You're more landmarks. Yeah. Well that, well, that too. And I think that it takes me like at least three times to really know where I'm going. Like driving the same route at least three times. I like to challenge myself with the GPS, you know, see which one gets us there first. Oh, yeah? I just, <laughs> yeah. I just use it for like traffic warnings at this point, I think. But yeah. Uh, intensive care unit nurse. I mean, she clearly had a very... Like you said, empathetic soul, but very, very caring. And um, I think that takes a lot, a special kind of person. So, yeah. 
So we did mention that she, you know, moved to Nashville by herself. So she did have roommates. And we do want to mention those before we get into the case. So one for sure name that we could find was Melissa being one of her roommates. And then I also found a name, Kelsey. I'm not exactly sure if that was her other roommate's name, another friend's name, but I did see it. I cannot fact check it. And like I said in all of the other uh, podcast episodes, I... If I'm not sure about it, I'm going to tell you I'm not sure about it, but um, kind of like I'm like 50 50 on this. So Melissa and Kelsey. The thing that surprised me a lot about this case was the lack of information on it for something that I feel like everyone in town talked about for so long. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I will say there's going to be several points of this episode where we do say here is the thing that happened there's some conflicting ideas around this thing that happened, but this part of it is concrete fact. So there's going to be a little bit of that because there is probably three articles about what happened to this woman. And yeah, I think I think because it was such a cut accurate. and dry. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it was just because it was so cut and dry and, you know, point A to point B just happened so quickly that you know, reporters wanted to get the story out there super fast and they didn't really take much time to spread the news, I guess. I feel like there should have been some kind of national news coverage because of the, you know, intensity of this case, but there wasn't. Yeah, I I guess it just felt like a big deal to us around town, you know? Um, Exactly. So let's talk about what happened that day. Tiffany uh, was leaving her apartment around 8 p.m. on the night of February 27th, 2017 to meet up with her roommates and co-workers. And she also met up in that group with a man who she supposedly had a crush on. I don't have the name of this man, but we can confirm that Tiffany and that man went home together because prosecutors say so. Yeah. Uh, that man ended up leaving her apartment at 3.15 a.m. on February 28th, 2017. And he left the door unlocked when he left. And even later on in case interviews and on, in the, during the prosecution, he can be quoted saying that it haunts him to think that he was the one who left the door unlocked. Although it was never confirmed that he did, but I mean, if you put two and two together, you know, it's unfortunate, but exactly. he, he must not have locked the door. And it's not his fault what happened to her. It, it, he's not to be blamed. He shouldn't be haunted, but it is sad that he's going to live with that for the rest of his life. You know, it makes you think twice about some things. So just before 6 a.m. on that day is... So just before 6 a.m., Melissa, one of the roommates that I just told you guys about, says she heard her roommate screaming awfully loud, you know, in agony. So she runs out of her room. She sees the front door open and she sees a man dart out. She said it it got so quiet in their apartment that she wasn't even sure if Tiffany was still in there. So she looked around. She went into Tiffany's room and that's where she saw Tiffany in the shape that she was in. And Sydney, I'll let you tell them about that a little bit. Yeah. So at this point, when they stumble, this roommate stumbles into her room, they find Tiffany covered in blood. She had been stabbed nine times by one of their kitchen knives, which was a six inch long kitchen knife. The prosecution later said that five and a half inches of that blade were plunged through Tiffany's heart and that she was also stabbed in her left and right sides and in her chest. 
Um, it was gruesome. There was a lot of damage done. And so the roommate, also being a nurse, knew to both call 911 and proceed trying to do CPR to help her. But I think everyone knew at that point it was too late. Just after the killing happened, two men told police that they saw a friend of theirs come up to them saying that he killed someone with scratches all over his neck. So police got their suspect pretty quickly. They actually matched that description with surveillance video, which actually pointed them straight in the direction of a man named Christopher McLawhorn. Um, he was walking around the neighborhood in the and the condo building of the 700th block of Wedgwood Park, where he was attempting to open car doors and apartment doors, which this was a common occurrence to him or for him, um, according to his friends. He often would go around and pull on car doors, see if they're open, or apartment doors and see if they're open with hopes of burglary. So at this point, police were pretty sure that she was murdered by a 26-year-old Christopher McLawhorn, who was just a stranger to her who happened to stumble upon her unlocked door. So now the police have their guy and they were able to track his path back to the nearby railroad tracks. And that is where they found Tiffany's jewelry that he had taken from their apartment, her laptop and a bloody knife from the kitchen. And it matched the description that they had reported in the police report. It was also later discovered that after the killing, Christopher McLawhorn pawned a ring like the one that Tiffany's roommate reported missing from their apartment just after the killing. So there was pretty much all signs pointing to Christopher at this point for police. Which led to his arrest on March 9th, 2017. At trial, prosecutors alleged that the two women slept while McLawhorn entered the apartment through the unlocked door and his main intent was on burglary this night. Remember earlier I mentioned a guy named Nicholas Dalrymple? He's the guy who told the police about his friend Christopher? Well, he also later... Uh, testified in Christopher's preliminary hearing in March of 2017, saying that Christopher was known for looking for unlocked doors to steal from people. Because of his testimony and all the very damning evidence, Christopher McLawhorn was sentenced to life in prison for this crime. During this preliminary hearing, we also heard from Tiffany's mom. She spoke directly to Christopher, saying, You didn't have to hurt her. You're such a coward. A coward to take my child's life where she's sleeping in bed. Tiffany will always be remembered. She has a scholarship in her name. She has friends and family that will never forget her. You're going to jail. You'll never be remembered. You're going to jail and you're going to live your days in darkness. May God have mercy on your soul. I love Tiffany's mom. You just got into complete, like author mode i feel like i was listening to an ebook <laughs> i was just have a mercy on your soul okay <laughs> i love these mom yeah she really i just felt like i was him. she did she did in a kind of nice southern alabama way you know, i know I, I don't think i would be so merciful i don't think i would either but i, I love she was classy about it too I she did a her. great job Let's talk a little bit more, and when I say a little bit, I'm going to say a little bit because I don't have much information on this or any of this case for that matter, but let's get a little bit into the scholarship. So 
The scholarship is called the Tiffany Page Ferguson Nursing Memorial Endowed Scholarship. It is for the University of North Alabama. It is given to high school students who have hopes of being a nurse and, you know, following Tiffany's footprints. But let me go ahead and read to you a post that I found on Tiffany's twin sister Allie's Facebook post as she was posting a picture of a winner and the scholarship. She says, and I'm not going to be as great as a monologue as you, City. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> she says, a very bittersweet feeling receiving this today, but also super grateful. If anyone knew Tiffany, you know this is exactly what she would want. Thank you, UNA, for helping another future nurse be impacted by my sister's life in such a positive way. It does not go unnoticed. And this was only April 13th of this year. Um, and most of the stuff that i got from the facebook pages were this year which just tells you you know the memory of tiffany it continues it doesn't stop people still love her people still talk about her she her legacy is is living on to the point where someone even left a memorial rock outside of the apartment um that melissa and i think kelsey live at and it says for tiffany and we can't read the inscription just because you know it is a picture it's pixelated it's from a distance and it's in cursive so we can't read the picture but you know the memory of tiffany lives on and this heinous crime that happened out of complete random it's just crazy to me and i know i say that in every sentence i feel like it's always just crazy to me but i think it's the scariest and the most eye-opening whenever it's completely random yeah, and I think that right after this and even and after, all of us were a little bit more wary of our locked doors. You know, I think in the local area, we were we were scared. We were already being taught as as young women in, to, in a bigger city to be very careful of our surroundings. And this just made it so much more paranoid for me. I, I don't know how you felt after this, because again, you had, you had just left, but... Yeah. I also, I also just really want to, I, I wish I could hug her, but virtually hug Allie Ferguson for taking all of this on. You know, she lost her sister for this heinous crime, and she's even lost her dad, which we haven't mentioned yet, but from a Facebook post that I found on Allie Ferguson's Facebook, she wrote a long paragraph about her sister and her father, um, and just pretty much wishing them happy birthday. And when she says she like wishes both of them happy birthday, it makes me think that they all shared the same birthday. So I couldn't imagine, you know, going through each day and having the same birthday as my twin sister and my dad, who are both deceased. And you can just tell she's a very, very strong woman. Um, so all power to her. I know she's going through it, but she's an inspiration. Yeah. All the love she in the world is. in this family. Yeah, they all are. But I, I think... Uh, the reason that I say Allie is because her Facebook was the one I got most information from. So I just feel like, you know, I feel for her. Yeah. And she could be quoted on her Facebook saying, I will continue living for you today and every day because that's what you deserve. And so, so much more. And yeah. man, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't, I couldn't even do it. But if you guys want to see more or learn more information about this case, I definitely recommend looking up you know, Tiffany Ferguson's Facebook page. That's where I found her family members, but also Allie Ferguson. I don't know if she wants to be looked up, but um, she does keep the memory going on her page. So if you're going to be respectful, then definitely do. But if you're not, then keep that away from her because she doesn't need that. Yeah. Well, um, you guys, uh, that that's the case this week. Um, something to think about. 
And we wanted to do it because it it did feel um, very local to us. However, you might have noticed this is a fairly short case, and that's partially intentional because we've gotten lots of requests for the paranormal that Raven keeps mentioning. <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> so I don't know if this will satisfy your paranormal request, but if you have your own paranormal request, please, any stories, pictures, anything just kind of creepy you want to you wanna send to our two dead girls podcast email at gmail.com we are listening and we are ready to take your submissions but for today i have decided to do some research of my own yes please send us ghost pictures yes that's all, that's all i gotta say sorry continue raven needs something to look at on her breaks at work please i love it i love it <laughs> i have no work i have no work anymore what you mean <laughs> well, while, I'm out. while Max taking a nap or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you know me, you might know that I love history. Same. Specifically, I love the eras of kings and queens and royal drama. And I have a little bit of a small obsession with the Tudor, the Tudor dynasty. Um. So today I want to talk about a very famous ghost who has apparently a lot more sightings than I knew about, the famous Anne Boleyn. She was, if you're not aware, Queen of England and the second wife of Henry VIII back in, I think, the, I want to say the 1500s. <laughs> yeah, 1500s, 1533 to 1536. Thank you. I kind of of loosely know my history. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always heard, and I don't know about you, Raven, I've always heard that Anne Boleyn haunted the Tower of London, which we'll talk about. But I've never heard of all the other places she's supposedly shown up. But let's get into it. Yeah, there's quite a few. I think to talk about this, we first have to talk about how Anne died. I'm not going to go into it because that's a whole case for itself if we really wanted to. But I will say she was beheaded by her husband for adultery, supposedly, allegedly. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he, didn't all of his other wives like suspiciously die? Um... Yes and no. He had six wives. One of them he just divorced and changed the entire religion of England for to marry Anne. And he beheaded because of adulteries, allegedly. A lot of people think that she wasn't guilty. Um, His next wife died after childbirth due to complications of childbirth. He killed her. There was another one. No, no, no. That one was he actually liked. Um, (laughs) and then the one after that, he beheaded again for adultery and, and then the one after that outlived him, but not by much. Yeah. He, yeah. Poor Anne. Yeah. Anne didn't deserve this. (laughs) And also the way he beheaded her, he like cut her head off. Which obviously is what that's how bad he works. But right? <laughs> he, he cut it off and put it underneath her armpit as if she was carrying it under her arm. Like what? So, that's so strange. That 
I, I cannot confirm nor deny it is debated. That's always what I've heard. It's interesting. I will say it's interesting to think about, and it's not beyond him. Um, yeah. But she was made a, a public spectacle of. I mean, she was put in the Tower of London She, uh, while she was waiting to be beheaded, which is why she supposedly haunts there. Um, and she... She's uh, known as the most well-traveled ghost in Britain. So that's yeah. kind of leading into what Sydney's going to tell us all about. So let's talk about all the places she supposedly haunts. I'll list them for you here. Kiever Castle, which was her childhood home. Blickling Hall, which it was her alleged birthplace. Modern historians think that's where she was born, but again, this is the 1500s we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the Tower of London, like I said, where she was executed. Hampton Court Palace and Windsor Castle. Those are the two places that she lived with Henry VIII while they were married. Sal Church in Norfolk. Yeah. God, English I names. I think it's uh, Sally. Sally? Maybe? But I, I've, I've heard Sally, but I don't know. I'm not English. I mean, I probably am, yeah. but not, not, not of recent. <laughs> um, it's S-A-L-L-E. Yeah, and that's where Anne's body was allegedly moved after her original burial in the chapel of St. Peter ad Vincula. <laughs> you know. Have you mentioned, did you mention Hever Castle? Yes, that was the first oh, one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm getting through it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Marwell Hall in Hampshire. And that was the residence of the Seymours between 1530 to 1638. Um, Jane Seymour was the wife that preceded her. If that helps. Yeah. So we're going to start with like the least haunted and go into the most haunted. So which one we start with? We're starting with Sal, Sally Church in Marwell Hall. <laughs> okay. The only story that I've been able to find here is that she haunts the Yew Tree Walk, where yeah. Henry VIII and Jane Seymour are rumored to have strolled while planning their wedding, which, how vengeful is that? Yeah. Um, legend has it that Henry and Jane were at Marwell Hall while Anne was in the tower awaiting her execution, which, brutal. Uh, um, yeah. Henry had arranged at the time for a chain of beacons to let him know that the execution had taken place. And he was just sitting there happily planning his next wedding. They call it the site of her husband's betrayal. So it's kind of like, I mean, I would be there too if I was Yeah, like, but like would you be? <laughs> okay, Anne, you petty. Okay, I see you. It's also rumored that um, Henry married Jane Seymour at that same place. Mm -hmm. Um the day of Anne's execution. So they were just planning it. They're like, all right, now, uh, as soon as these beacons light up, <laughs> let's do a little ceremony. We'll do the big one later. Like, he was ready to be rid of her, which is just so messed up. Mm -hmm. uh, I would haunt there, too, if I was a vengeful ghost. And, you know, I feel like I can be a vengeful person. So I get it, Anne. I'm with mm -hmm. you, girl. Too petty. <laughs> Where are we moving to next, Sid? Um, Hampton Court Palace in Windsor Castle. These are the two places that Anne lived with Henry while they were married. Yeah. So Anne was seen to be haunting uh, Hampton Court Palace 
and she's seen wearing a blue dress. She's been described as walking slowly with a sad countenance, which, duh, I mean, think about what happened to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there could be some drama here because uh, Jane Seymour, who we were just talking about, also died at Hampton Court after giving birth to Prince Edward, like I previously said. Um, and she's also seen, Jane Seymour's ghost is also seen haunting the grounds. So, you know, you wonder if the ghosts ever encounter each other. <laughs> they're they're probably best friends now. They probably talk shit about him. You yeah, mean like 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 the Six musical where they're all just like hanging out? Yeah. <laughs> probably all just talk shit about him because he killed them all. Yeah, and there's also the ghost of Queen Catherine Howard, Henry's fifth wife, not to be confused with his first wife, Queen Catherine of Aragon. <laughs> Who she supposedly shows up there on those grounds as well. She's yeah. actually the most active sightings of that ghost are supposedly there because that's where she was seen running down the hallway right before her execution to try and interrupt Henry's mass to plead for her life. So because Catherine was pleading for her life in that moment, they call that the haunted gallery where she ran through. So... Just the whole place, Hampton Court Palace, just a very active wife ghost of Henry VIII place. Yeah. Um, now to get into Windsor Castle, which you all probably know because that's famously where the current queen lives. I could talk about it if you want me to. Sure. Okay. So, like Cindy said, Windsor Castle is the home to the Queen, so you probably all know where that's at. It's also one of the oldest occupied castles in the entire world, um, let alone the entire country. So, her spirit is seen there all the time, mostly wandering through the halls. There are pictures people will take in front of the castle, and you'll see her ghosts in them. Um, I would love to see some of those. That would be so cool to see. Or, Cindy, let's go and take pictures and see if she shows up in our pictures. Uh, if you're yeah. down. <laughs> Honestly, super down. Just want to travel, to be honest. But to see a ghost and travel, even better. Um, but one of the you know scariest sightings at this place is probably people will report seeing her running down the corridor of the castle with her headless body just holding her screaming head. Imagine seeing a ghost running at you full speed holding their own head, but their head that is detached from their body is screaming. Imagine that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So, again, Anne is not the only ghost at Windsor Castle. Uh, That's also famously where Henry's footsteps are heard echoing. And uh, their daughter, Queen Elizabeth I, who was the longest reigning queen before our current Queen Elizabeth II, (laughs) um, is also seen around. And, you know, you might, I kind of hope, I'm sure other people kind of hope that if if the ghosts can communicate that Queen Elizabeth I and Anne Boleyn have had to, like the chance to forge a mother-daughter relationship that they didn't really get to have in life. If they do see each other around. So, we'll move on to Blickling Hall. Um, this place is in Norfolk. I don't know where that is. Um, but this is where many modern historians, like I said, believe is Anne's birthplace. 
this this building was built in the early 17th century, and you might think, well, that doesn't make any sense because she was born much before that. But its stands were an older building used to stand that belonged to her father, Sir Thomas Blinn. On May 19th, the anniversary of her death, Anna is said to return to Blickling Hall. A carriage comes up the drive leading to the hall, drawn by headless horses and driven by a headless coachman. Anne sits inside, dressed in white, and holding her severed head in her lap. When the carriage reaches the front doors, the horses and carriage disappear, and Anne goes inside to roam the halls until daybreak. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too, but also, I don't know if you've heard this, Cindy, but... Every time that I hear the story, um, it's always followed by the date that this happens every single year. It's annual. It happens every year, but it's on May 19th, which was her execution date. Yeah. Once again, at this location, she is not the only ghost seen. Her brother, George Boleyn, Lord Rochford, is seen dragged across the countryside by four headless horses. His headless ghost has also been seen wandering the grounds of the estate searching for peace and justice. Blickling Hall is also said to be haunted by their father, once again, Sir Thomas Boleyn. Some say he's the driver of the coach and that he delivers Anne to Blickling Hall. After dropping Anne off at the front doors at midnight, Sir Thomas continues on, pursued by hordes of screaming demons, cursing him for his betrayal of his family. He is forced to drive in his spectral coach over 12 bridges that lie between Roxham and Blickling for a thousand years of penance. That's crazy. I, th there's a lot of headlessness with this family, but to be fair, I think almost all of them were beheaded. Um, yeah. I don't know why we have to kill the horses, too, but... Uh -oh. <laughs> Poor horses. <laughs> So this place we haven't mentioned yet, but it's a really important one to her because she always, or her ghost will always show up around Christmas time. Christmas was her favorite time of the year, her favorite holiday, and this is where kind of where she grew up, so she always comes around Christmas time. There was a large oak tree on the grounds of the castle where Henry and Anne are said to have spent a number of hours courting. I don't even know what courting means, but... Dating. Oh, okay, like, there you yeah. go. They were dating. Like, I would like to court you. Like, that's like the uh -huh. idea that he's like getting ready to marry you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but Anne's ghost is always seen underneath that tree. Uh, many of occasions, if you go to those grounds, you're normally going to see her underneath the tree around Christmas time. That's pretty much all we have about this. Um, Castle. Yeah, this location. But the only other thing that I could mention is that she'll be seen walking across the bridge of Eden Lake, but that's also on the grounds. So, uh, I want to mention that this particular castle was built in 1272. So I just think that that's really cool. That's that's my yeah. two cents. <laughs> the fact that it's like still kind of standing. Yeah. So um, I think now we're moving on to the most important one, the Tower of London. What? What? <laughs> you can go ahead, Sid, and I'll just add in whenever. All right. So, a little backstory on the Tower of London. It was built in 1078, so it was actually already standing for 450 years before Anne became queen. Because of this, it is not just haunted by Anne, it's haunted by everybody. Um, everybody and their brother. It, it's a very active place for ghost activity, mm -hmm. but most famously, of course, by our dear Anne Boleyn. 
Anne's ghost has been seen in several places around the tower grounds. Um, in the White Tower, the Queen's house, where she allegedly, and it is debated, stayed the night before her coronation. And also, she stayed there during her imprisonment right before her execution. So, a little full circle there. Let's start with the story from 1817. You'll remember we said that Anne was killed in the late 1500s. In 1817, a sentry, which if you don't know what that is, it is a soldier or a guard... Like me, me, what I do at my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. A century. A century was patrolling the White Tower and suffered a fatal heart attack after encountering a ghostly Anne Boleyn on the staircase. Which, that, that's literally all it says about that guy is he just saw Yeah. Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too, dude. <laughs> In 1864, a different century was standing guard outside of the Queen's house and reported seeing a white figure of a woman veiled in mist. She was wearing a Tudor dress, so like the style of the dynasty that she was a part of, which would be definable, and a French hood. However, where her face should have been, there was nothing. He challenged the figure, and when it did not reply to him, it continued towards him. The sentry made a thrust at it with his bayonet. What happened next caused him to swoon, and his bayonet passed through the figure. When that happened, a fiery flash ran up his rifle and gave him a shock. The sentry was court-martialed for falling asleep during his watch, because obviously people didn't believe him. Yeah. <laughs> but he was not found guilty, because several other eyewitnesses told the court that they had also seen the headless woman on Tower Green that night. One officer who saw the event from the window in the bloody tower testified that he had heard the sentry yelling at the figure to stop and then saw him thrust his bayonet through it. He saw the figure pass through the bayonet and then through the sentry as well. So she just plowed on through the guy. Like, uh -huh. did not care. Which, I mean, I get that it's horrifying to have, like, the screaming head coming at you. But, like, imagine this thing that has no head at all but, like, is still wearing a hood somehow. Just running yeah. at you, doesn't care yeah. about your big bayonet, like crazy. And her feet aren't touching the ground, so he's kind of like, "What the heck?" Yeah. There's another story that has to kind of do with that. Um, it, it may be the story that you mentioned at first, Sydney, but like go more into it, I guess. But I think it's a completely different story. So I think it's gonna. I'm gonna mention it. So a light was flickering inside one late night, and so the captain was trying to find the source of it. So whenever he climbed the ladder to see inside, he saw, you know, Anne Boleyn. And um, he didn't know if he was seeing what he thought he was seeing. He wasn't spooked, but he had recognized her from the pictures that were on the wall, and the paint or the paintings on the wall. And I just thought it was cool to like, he didn't get scared. He was just like, that's normal because he knew her from the pictures, you know? Like he thought it was really her until he realized like, oh wait, she's dead. Yeah, she's super dead. Like she's a long time. Dead. Yeah, but she was dressed in her centurial dress, you know, just parading through the chapel. And he was like, that's really her. And I, I thought that was also a cool story because he wasn't scared by her. I actually have a little bit more on that story. It, oh, really? It happened in the Chapel Royal of St. Peter Ad. Vincula. I've told you guys I can't pronounce yeah. his name. Um, and it happened in 1882. So just a little bit of backstory. Um, these are all 
people who couldn't have encountered each other or at least weren't likely to have encountered each other with a life expectancy in those days um that all have their own separate stories about her fairly detailed there are there's more so modern stories them. yeah th there's more after the 1800s didn't, we didn't just stop seeing her um she's often seen walking through the church and the tower and you know um underneath the altar and just on the grounds and like i said earlier you'll see her in pictures but yeah so if you ever get the chance to go to london and see any of these places study up on what a tudor style dress and a french hood looks like <laughs> yeah so we just thought it was interesting to talk about this one because like i said she's seen everywhere and that's kind of a phenomenon phenomena whatever that word is phenomena yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like you know a big deal for a ghost to be seen in so many places because normally a spirit will attach themselves to a certain place and kind of stay there most of the time if they don't like you know pass through or pass on whatever you believe in but most of the time the spirit will attach themselves to one or two maybe places but for her to be seen in all these different places can kind of be equated to the amount of trauma she went through in her life and i think beheading can I do a number on you <laughs> i'm sure beheading yeah. you know messed her up it would mess me up too ma'am <laughs> well i just think she she had such an incredible life if you really do study her and albeit brief and it, it's it's it makes complete sense like you said to go with the trauma like there's certain places that she clearly haunts because those were happy and peaceful places for her there's places that she haunts because her family betrayed her there's places that she haunts because her husband betrayed her yeah I, she's I, definitely I, someone you want to look up and do a little bit of research into but also understand that her story is a super sad one so yeah. it's definitely she's not a malicious ghost she's not or spirit i may say she's not a malicious spirit she's not She's just a, a grumpy spirit. Like, she's just not what happy. She's be? sad. Yeah, she's just sad. So, um, I mean, she definitely has some of the spookiest sightings, for sure, in history. Yeah. But. I mean, she was a very famous and powerful woman. And good. I mean, I'm, gl I'm glad to see so much of her still. Yes, absolutely. But... We just wanted to add that to the end of our case this week because the case didn't really give us that much information. So we knew it was going to be kind of a short story for you guys. And also this wasn't, um, I mean, it was kind of a long spooky story, but we just wanted to introduce our spooky stories because we're going to be talking about ghost sightings. And we're going to be talking about, you know, creepy pastas and stuff like that. <laughs> we want to talk about conspiracy theories and kind of branch out a little bit and do a little bit of everything different, you know, to keep it interesting for you guys. So yeah, Big we'll, shout we'll out. make sure to um, also mention that, you know, the cases that we do talk about are what we give you our facts that we, we find, like, we, we are factual when talking about that. Obviously, we can't, there's no possible way to be factual when talking about ghosts or conspiracy theories or that kind of stuff. But they are still fun to think right. about, talk about, so. All right, everything we'll, that we'll, we say. We'll, a, we'll tell you the difference between the two. <laughs> Yeah, everything that we say on our podcast is just a list of compiled um, evidence, information, etc. that we found on the internet through our research. And we're just giving that to you to pretty much, you know, educate you in a way, but also understand that it is just what we found on the internet. And you guys know how internet is, but we try and be as factual as possible. It's entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're, uh, I just. We are factual about real life things, but there's some things that you have to use your imagination for. 
mostly the ghost stuff, but because I know everyone doesn't believe in ghosts, but we do, so we're interested in this. I also so don't believe everything I read, so. Yeah, no, I have to talk Sydney into a bunch of stuff because she's like, that's not even, how does that happen? I'm like, Sydney, the world is not all cupcakes and rainbows. Oh, I don't think it's all cupcakes and rainbows. Are there some I know, but earlier we were talking, <laughs> earlier we were talking, you were like, but no one in their right mind would do this. And I was like, well, no one in their right mind would walk into someone's apartment and just stab them nine times either. But I mean, yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I, I just. I have high hopes. I, I, yeah. And I, I also hope that humanity is smarter than it is sometimes. It's not. I know. But, but it's, uh, I'm glad we got to start with the paranormal stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed my historical ghost that I wanted to bring up. And um, if you want something less historical, no, we love send history. us a submission. We love Take history. We just wanted to let you know, like, we love history. So there might be a few more history ghost stories, etc. But yeah. what Sydney said, definitely make requests. Our inboxes have been a little dry lately. Probably our fault for being a little MIA. But, you know, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, we are very busy girls, <laughs> but we are trying. Yeah. But yeah, so we hope you enjoyed the show today. Um, our Instagram is Two Dead Girls Podcast. Go over there and, you know, look at the face with the case. We'll put all of our updates on there. I'll do better about posting. <laughs> Sydney, help me out. <laughs> yeah we've been a little bit slacking lately but if you guys want to leave suggestions or you know case submissions go ahead over to our gmail account we mentioned at the beginning but i'll go ahead and mention again it's two dead girls podcast at gmail.com um yeah follow us both on social media too (laughs) but yeah we hope that you enjoyed this episode and we will see you in our next one bye guys your fave two dead girls out